As we think about interacting with God's Word this morning, I would like you to think about a struggle or a temptation that often comes into your life. A struggle or temptation that you often face in life. You think you get the handle on it and then you think, ah, I didn't do as good as I thought. A struggle or temptation, maybe one or two of them that comes into your life. Preparation for temptation and trial is important. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 14. We'll read Mark 14, review briefly, and look at some parallel passages. And our focus this morning will be more on the training in righteousness. Paul says, Scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproving, reproving, correcting, and training in righteousness. Two weeks ago, we looked at the passage in a great deal of detail, looking more at the application or how it looks in our lives in terms of what is happening. In John 14, we know that Jesus had been anointed in Bethany. We have the Last Supper. We know that Judas betrayed Jesus. After the Last Supper, Jesus told the eleven, you're going to betray me. And Peter, in his, I guess, somewhat arrogant way, says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And another of the Gospels talk about the fact that Jesus says to Peter, I've prayed for you. Satan has desired to have you, but I've prayed for you. And as a result, he was restored. But in Mark 14 and verse 32, they, referring to Jesus along with the eleven, went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now keep in mind, we have Jesus, the eleven. They have had the Last Supper. They go to the garden, and we know that Jesus prays in the garden. And the setting is that he must have taken the eleven. He said, used to hear and pray, but then he takes three, Peter, James, and John. And Peter, James, and John had some other interaction with Jesus previous in the Gospel of Mark, you know, where they were kind of an inner circle. But he takes them a distance from the other eight, and he says, now you stay here and watch while I go and pray. And he goes a little beyond that. We know that Jesus spent an hour in prayer, and the text says that 
his prayer was, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You say that doesn't take an hour to pray about, but as you look at the other Gospels, Luke says it's, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. We're dealing with agony here. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to bear the sin of the world. He comes back after an hour and he finds them asleep and he says to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And remember, Peter is the one who made the boast. I'll never deny you. Jesus goes a second hour and he prays the same thing. After the second hour, he comes back and he finds them asleep. He goes a third hour and he comes back and he says, let's go. No, enough. Here comes my betrayer. What a profound irony Gethsemane conceals. For when Jesus feels most excluded from God's presence, he is in fact closest to God's will. Gethsemane is a prelude to Calvary. For in a valley beneath the city, Jesus allows his soul to be crucified. On a hill above the city, he relinquishes his body. The battle of the cross was won in the garden, watching and praying. As you read Luke, the battle seems very intense in the garden. As you read Mark and Matthew, you find that as it goes to the trial and to the crucifixion, it seems like the trial and crucifixion are secondary. It's not as great as the battle in the garden because the battle was won in the garden. The battle Peter, James, and John was lost in the garden through failing to watch and to pray. The Roman hearers of the Gospel of Mark would have been encouraged as some of them are being persecuted and dying for their faith to watch and to pray. It may be Travis's turn to light Nero's garden, watch and pray. Baron Shirley might have their property confiscated, watch and pray. Joe and Eunice being thrown to the wild animals, watch and pray. The hearers are important. And think about how they heard it. But also think about the fact that in all ages of the body of Christ, there are temptations into which believers will fall if they do not watch and pray. And there are other passages in Scripture that talk about watch and pray, not using the same terminology, but the fact that we face temptation, be prepared. To walk through it. You will find that Romans 6, 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then Paul goes on to say, no, you have died to sin. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 29 through 34, as Paul discusses the resurrection, he says the resurrection is important because if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you can say, eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, or 13, I'm sorry, 5 through 10. Again, Paul is talking about watching and praying and being equipped. Not using the terms watch and pray, but to be in your guard. In Ephesians 6, or Galatians 3, he talks about, again, you began by the Spirit. Why don't you continue with the Spirit? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul comes to the end of Ephesians, and he gives a strong warning, a strong exhortation. In Ephesians 6 and verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he goes on to tell them to put on the armor. Be strong. We're in a battle. And the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against the rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 8, we find Paul tells them to rejoice in the Lord, yet let your gentleness be evident to all. And then he says, don't be anxious. Instead, pray. And think on those things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. And if there be any good report, think on those things. In Hebrews chapter 2, in light of Christ and who he is, he says, be careful that you don't fall away. In Hebrews chapter 4, in light of our having a great high priest, he says, we have freedom to come to God through Christ in prayer, and he'll help us in our time of need. Going to God in prayer, and he'll minister and help. In First Peter chapter 1, Peter is writing to people who are going through persecution and trial. And he says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled, set your hope fully in the grace to be given you. Again, prepare yourself for what is going to come in terms of persecution. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Peter says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. The passages listed in PowerPoint, I think, are tied in with, related to, similar to Jesus saying to the 11, particularly Peter, James, and John, watch and pray. So I want to take some time to reflect on just what does watch and pray in light of Mark 14, along with related passages, look like in daily life? Some application, some training in righteousness, if you please. First of all, 
whether it be Christ, whether it be the eight, or Peter, James, and John, or us today, we are in a battle. We are in a war. This is reality. Jesus went into the garden. He prayed for an hour, and it just seems like the victory was not there, so he goes back a second hour and a third hour. He was in a battle. Watching and praying in light of Mark 14 involves open, honest talking with our Heavenly Father in deep confidence concerning the trials we will face. This definitely involves surrender to God's will and a passion to obey Him. Jesus went to the garden, and what did He say? Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Jesus was fully human. And we'll discuss that some more next Sunday morning. Here he is, fully human. If it's possible, God, take this cup from me. But then he surrendered. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Watching and praying, the three, Peter, James, and John, slept. They weren't talking to their father. The eight slept. They weren't talking to their father. Think about the trial that I mentioned earlier that you may have in your life. Watching and praying is going to God with openness and honesty and talking to him about that. But let me give a couple examples. You go to your job or you go to school and you may struggle in your attitude towards a teacher or towards a boss or a coworker. You know it's coming. You know that there's going to be some trials on the job or in school. Taking time to openly and honestly talk to God about that. God, I just soon not go to work today because so-and-so is going to be there and I've got to work with them today. It's terrible. But I know your will is for me to go to work and to work hard as unto you because I serve you. Not merely my boss. God, I really don't want to go to school today because I know I'm going to interact with this student who gives me a hard time over and over again. And I'm going to have this teacher that I just don't like very well. But I know it's your will for me to go to be submissive to government, to be submissive to my parents. And I'm to apply myself. Watching. Waiting. How about the issue of marriage? If you're married, I would venture to say that whether you've been married a week or 50 years, you probably had at least one squabble or conflict in some way, shape, or form in those years of marriage. Just one. Just one. You're doing good, Gina. (laughs) We know that's part of marriage. Do we watch and pray? God, I'm getting up this morning. I'm having a struggle myself. I'm not sure what kind my wife will have. But sometimes we have maybe some words that are not going to be profitable in building. 
I want to love my wife. I want to utter words that are building because that's your will, because I'm to represent Christ to my wife as Christ responds to the church. And talk to God about that. Watch and pray so that you don't enter into the temptation. How about a father responding to his children? Passive, neglectful, really doesn't teach and train. And he says, God, I have a tendency to be passive. I have a tendency to speak and then later on I regret it. I have a tendency to tear my kids down sometimes. And sometimes I just say to my wife, you take care of it. I don't want to be involved. And Lord, this is the battle that I have. I'm to teach and I'm to train and I'm to bring my children up. I'm talking to you about it. I want to be faithful to you. I want to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So today when the struggle comes, help me. Some of us will sit down at the computer, we get on our phone, and we know that we go to sites that are not good. And we say, God, I need to watch and I need to pray about my time on the internet, the use of the phone. Because you want me to be holy in my sexuality. And I struggle. I'm talking to you about it. I'm watching. I'm praying. There seems to be a strong parallel between watch and pray and not entering into temptation. Watch and pray is the preparation. Stop and think about that. The eleven yielded to temptation. They did not watch and pray. Jesus watched and prayed, and he was obedient to the Father. When Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God, and then he says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and so on. He's telling us to be prepared. Our military does not get prepared for battle in the midst of the battle. They go through training. They're prepared. They're going to go to battle. They're all equipped. Watching and praying is preparing for the temptation, the struggle that you may have thought about, that you battle with, that you may have thought of earlier. Watch. Pray. Is a major factor why, why we may yield to or don't yield to temptation directly related to whether we watch and pray especially when we know the temptation may come. We know temptations we'll face in family relationships. We know temptations we'll face in striving to be consistent in corporate worship. We know temptations we'll face with the Internet. We know temptations that is, or we will face with money. So an example from the life of Ruth Ann and I, or the first couple years in our marriage, Financially, we were poor. And then I got a job 
that by the time I graduated from Bible college, I would have been making today's equivalent, 120 dollars to $140,000 a year for 25 hours of work. Now, that was a big change. We were so poor that I went to the rescue mission, which was humiliating, to ask for some food. I called my dad and said, Dad, and that was very, very humbling because Dad basically said, you leave home, you know, you leave. Now, all of a sudden, we're thrown into a situation where we have tons of money. And Ruth Ann and I talked, and we had to watch and pray quite often that that did not consume us. So we had to say, God, we didn't have anything. Now we have a lot. We want to use this wisely. We want to honor you. See, watch and pray. Beware of pride in daily life, which manifests itself by thinking you can handle life. You display you can handle life by failing to watch and pray. How often do we yield to sin due to our pride of failing to watch and to pray? The eight in the garden sleeping, the three a little further away sleeping, and Jesus over here watching and praying. The text makes it very clear that the eight denied knowing Jesus. You know, they fled. James and John did the same, and Peter, it's mentioned that three times, he denied. Seems to tie in with the three times of Jesus coming back to him. But what were they displaying? Pride. Oh, we can handle this. In our daily lives, just watching and praying, say, God, this life is too much for me, but in Christ I have a high priest. In Christ I have life. In Christ, I need to come to you and watch and pray. There's a direct parallel to falling into temptation and our preparation. Prepare for the temptation, the temptations you know you will face. Life is routine in many ways, and we know some of the temptations we face. Prepare. Watch. Pray. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to watch and pray, should we watch and pray? He's encouraging the three to do it. You know, watch and pray. If Jesus watched and prayed, do we need to watch and pray? And again, life has some routine to it. In marriage, with parents, with children, you develop an idea of what to face in life and what you are going to face. You know your temptations, your struggles. Watch and pray. Prepare for those items. Losing our battles with temptation is not due to our sin nature, but I think more to our lack of preparation before the temptation comes. That is preparing through watching and praying. Let's not blame our sin nature, 
at our lack of preparation. See, our sin nature, its power has been broken in Christ. Talk to God openly and honestly. The other day I was going uptown and I realized that I was going to be a little late for what I wanted and part of me said, don't worry about that thing you see along the road. And the Lord brought me back to look, Dan. (laughs) You made some choices which resulted in your being late and you didn't really watch and pray about this, did you? (laughs) I said, no, Lord, I didn't. But just in daily life, the whole issue of watch and pray. You're coming home from work, you're coming home from school, you're coming home from shopping, and you know you're going to enter a a tense situation at home, maybe because of having texted your wife or children or whatever, or parents. Watch and pray. Prepare. For that. What love, commitment Christ displays to his Father is our will to obey our Heavenly Father greater than our desire to serve self. Lord, if it be possible, remove this cup, this cup of suffering, the cup of bearing the sin of the world. And I think Scripture. And the passage we'll look at next week makes it very clear that the battle that Jesus had was real. It wasn't a straw man temptation where, oh, this is a piece of cake. He was fully human, fully God. He says, if it's be possible, remove this cup from me. But then he says, not my will, but yours be done. And in our battles... Going to God and saying, God, I really don't like this. I'd like to be out of this temptation. But I'll choose to love my wife. I'll choose to teach my children. I'll choose to obey my boss. I'll choose to stay off the internet today because I'm really struggling. When you feel far from God, from Christ, due to temptation but have prepared for the temptation through watching and praying, you're the closest to God and to Christ. Have you ever been through a struggle and you go to God and you're just open and honest with Him, sharing the struggle with God, and you think, God, I feel so distant from you. I'm not worthy. I have such a great struggle, but I yield to you. Close. To God. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Put on the full armor of God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. So think about the temptations you face in life. Just watch and pray. Because there's some routine in life where we face some of the same temptations over and over again. Sometimes we face a new one that we never had before. 
but still watch and pray. Are you watching and praying? Are you and your mate watching and praying? Are you and your parents and you and your children watching and praying? Are we as a church watching and praying? In just a few moments, we're going to partake of communion. Remind us of Christ in the garden where he surrendered his will to the Father and then his body was sacrificed. We're reflecting on Christ. His payment for sin, his death, his resurrection, his once-for-all sacrifice. We're also reflecting on the fact that we have forgiveness in Christ. We're also thinking about the present. We don't just need the cross for our past sins. We need the cross in the present for walking with God, for dealing with sin in the present. But we also can think about the future as we partake of communion. And that is, one day in the future, we'll be with him. Jesus said to the eleven, you know, someday in the future, we'll partake of that together. And think about that in the context that the eleven were going to deny him. But yet he says, here's what's coming. The kingdom of God. And as we partake of communion, and then also during the week, if you remember that far, would like for you to reflect on two questions. And we'll get to them in a second. The two questions I would like you to reflect on is, did God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit obey anyone in eternity past? Did God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit obey anyone in eternity past? Then the second question, since Jesus was fully God in the flesh, why did he have to learn obedience? That ties in with Mark chapter 14. And as we look at scripture next week, we'll respond to those questions. Did God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit obey anyone in eternity past? Since Jesus was fully God in the flesh, why did he have to learn obedience? And scripture talks about him learning obedience. That ties in with him in the garden. Surrendering to his father. Obedient to his father. But yet he was fully God. Why learn it? Didn't he have to obey in the past? But again, thoughts. Some questions to meditate on. As we partake of communion. Ask the men to come forward.